Welcome, teacher friend. I'm Lori. And I'm Melissa. We are two literacy educators in Baltimore. We want the best for all kids, and we know you do too. Our district recently adopted a new literacy curriculum, which meant a lot of change for everyone. Lori and I can't wait to keep learning about literacy with you today. Hi, everyone. Welcome to Literacy Podcast. Melissa and Lori love literacy. We have a very special guest with us today, uh, Tiffany Rabine. She is in Laramie. Laramie what? Laramie County School District 1. Yeah. Laramie County. Yeah, I was like, it's Laramie County. Yes. So, (laughs) you know, what's funny is I always feel like Laramie is in, um, like, the. I'm always nervous about which state it's in. So why don't you share (laughs) a little bit about, because... My sister lives in Colorado, and and I assume everybody out west also lives with her in Colorado. So (laughs) it's just all Colorado out there. Everything is Colorado. If it's not California, it's Colorado out there. Um, I do love all the states, though. So, Tiffany, we are very excited to talk with you today because you are just going to share some um, really exciting things about your pilot in Win Wisdom and then how you're planning to implement. And I just think our listeners are going to learn so much. So, Tiffany, welcome to the podcast. Yes, thanks you guys. And and I love it. I've lived in the West my whole life. It's a beautiful country. It doesn't matter if you're in Wyoming with me, if you are in Colorado. Yeah, Laramie's just over the hill. You know, we have good friends over there. So so it yes. makes we're all good people and we all love living out here. So I so love makes- that. <laughs> thank you for thank you also for making me feel uh okay about my geography skills here. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Yeah, it's Rocky Mountains. Ever it's like okay, we get it. <laughs> and it's funny too because I have our notes in front of us and I'm like, it says Wyoming, but I'm really nervous to say that if it's wrong. And why would it be wrong? We talked about it already. So, <laughs> well, I think uh, so kind of, you know, we're, we're like a unicorn, right? Sometimes people are like, oh my gosh, people actually live there and I'm talking. <laughs> I understand. <laughs> no, well, we are so excited to have you. Um, we, do you just want to share a little bit about yourself and, and what you do in Laramie? Yeah, absolutely. So um, I'm the K-12, actually pre-K to 12, uh, English Language Arts District Coordinator um, so I, I am in a district office. I was a high school English teacher here in Cheyenne for over a decade, um, 14 years in this fantastic district and 18 years in education. Um, I was born and raised in Montana. So to come down here, it's just been a, a great transition and love the people in the school district is absolutely amazing. Some beautiful places you've lived. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. <laughs> well, Tiffany, tell us a little bit about what's happening in Laramie with your um, adopting new curriculum. What's where, where have you been? Where are you going? What's happening now? Yeah. So this summer, you know, we we knew we needed to do something different. Um, low test scores, stagnant test scores, you know, in ELA. And, and so our assistant superintendent of instruction reached out and was like, hey, you know, let's start looking into maybe some different alternatives to what we to what we're doing. Um we need to see greater growth. We need to see um, kind of different measures of achievement and show, show student successes in a bunch of different ways. So, you know, this summer I kind of jumped in and it really did just start with what's out there. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, we relied heavily on, you know, ed reports, the Hanover Research Group to really help us uh, with the background on a lot of different ways we could go. A program mm-hmm. uh, was one way that we were looking at. Um, so that's kind of where the research started, and, and it was a whole team effort. It was me, it was my instructional coaches, it was my division of instruction. Um, which way are we going to go? Gathering, sifting, reading, researching to see 
really where we were going to land to take that next step. Yeah. And I'm curious to uh, think about your, did you have district requirements or state requirements that drove any of this as well? Yeah. Yeah. Kind of all of it. Right. You know, the <laughs> expectations and things that we, that we need, you know, to, to understand and, and take steps towards meeting. Um, of course, district goals, I would say more than, than requirements, you know, they, they have expectations and, and we have expectations here in the language arts department. So all of those, you know, kind of informed us as to what might match and what we definitely knew wouldn't match as we moved forward. Um, when wisdom rose to the top instantly, it was greenlighted by all of the um, ed reports, Hanover, you know, kind of all the the third party sort of research groups that look into it. And then, and, and they weren't the only one, right? So we had four and then we kind of went, okay, which matches our district goals, which matches our ELA goals. And, and Wynton Wisdom really was the only one that hit everything. Um, like do I you said, remember, do you remember any of your goals to share? Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> one was types of text for kids was, was number one. Um, at, at one time, I'm, I'm going to share sad stories first, and then we're going to get into the great okay. story. Uh, because <laughs> as the long sad as you promised that there's good stories to follow it <laughs> Absolutely. up. Absolutely. You know, I, I'm meeting with, with a fifth grade team, and they want to buy novel sets, right? And they're looking at relevant, interesting, high engagement text for kids, right? You know, Caldecott Newberry Award winners, all the good books. Mm-hmm. Um, and they're just like, yeah, kids come into fifth grade and they haven't even read a novel yet. And I'm like, whoa. Oh my gosh. That's not good. Yeah. Yeah. So they kind of know excerpts and they might know authors, Mm -hmm. certainly no background, no historic, very little historical context. Um, And that's pretty concerning. So so when we found something that could answer something like that, like, wow, we're going to get kids into books and they're, they're the good books that were, that were already purchasing kind of separately. Right. Now we have a direct focus and a, and a really rich, content to dig into them. Uh, you know, Tiffany, I think that a lot of parents don't necessarily realize that their kids are in school and not actually reading books. It, like, like what you mentioned about the excerpts, that's such a powerful thing to really drive your choices, right? Like we don't want excerpts. We want books, we want novels, and we want a varied assortment of texts. I think that parent, parents many times are under the assumption that their kids are reading books in school that, and they might be reading like a book, but like, is a book a year enough? Or, you know, I mean, there's a lot of variations on that as well. Like it could be like an excerpt of a book or a couple books or it just it, time in text is what matters as well as lots of other stuff, as you know, but that's, I think that that's important. And, and as a parent, you know, parents really need to be questioning, like, what are my kids reading what, what is my kid reading in school? What are my kids reading in school? Yeah. I know when I started teaching, it was all, it was a textbook that I was teaching from. Well, mm-hmm. when I finally found the textbooks in the closet somewhere, <laughs> but that's all I had when it was, you know, all it is is excerpts from, well, short stories, poems, and then excerpts from novels. And that was, that was it. That was, that was all I had to, to teach with. And that, that was kind of the norm then at least. Not that I liked it. It was just what I had. <laughs> I know. Tiffany, I'm wondering, you know, as you went through this process, like I'm sure that you involved lots of stakeholders and what did you feel like you needed to know from them? And you know, I'm sure you asked for feedback too. Like what feedback did you get? What feedback did you, did you crave? Yeah. You know, we wanted to really know 
So, so let's think stakeholders. And this is a really important piece as, as you know, districts and schools want to roll this out. Um, who needs to be involved? Who wants to be involved? You know, and then as you asked it, right? What do we need to know from them? Then what's that next step? The footfall is what are we going to do about it? Um, so, man, we, we identified our key groups, of course, our students, our teachers, our faculty, right? Our school-based people. Um, but there's a huge high interest in this community. We're about, you know, between 60 and 70,000 in the, in the town, pretty small, right? Um, and just like a lot of places, especially smaller places, the schools are the center of the towns. And so community members, parents, their voices matter and, and, and they help us shape who we are. And so, you know, what we needed to know from teachers and students obviously was very different from parents and community members. Um, so when we reached out, you know, I went to, we have a parent advisory council for the district. Each school then has kind of their parent advisory groups as well. Um, so I, I filtered information to principals to get to those school groups. And then I um, presented to the district level sort of PAC groups. And they reached out to me then after that with tons of questions. They attended school board meetings. You know, and what we wanted to know was what, you know, as, as parents and community members, what does literacy look like for you? What does it look like for our community? And then for the future of, of your children and our children as they grow up, uh, you know, and, and we want them to stay here. So what does literacy look like and how can we help achieve those goals? Um, an interesting point about our, our community and parents survey, uh, three years ago, secondary was adopting. So Melissa kind of mentioned the textbook, right? <laughs> yeah. Route people thought we were going to go and teachers were like, no, we need novels. We want the richness, you know, so that's the route we took. I had three parents slash community responses on that survey three years ago. Uh, this year we had 67. Wow. The elementary adoption. Um, seven of them were like, call me, reach out. I want to talk to you one-on-one, you know, so I was able to have those really intimate conversations to, to hear what they had to say. And they were and they shared with me these beautiful stories that are kind of the nuances of education, right? Um, my, my students in special education, he's never been exposed to something like this. Like, how can we guarantee that he's going to get the same information mm-hmm. as everybody else, uh, was one. Um, others, a lot of questions about the books. What are my kids going to be reading and why, and how is that going to help them become better citizens and humans? That's great. Very good questions, right? <laughs> Sunny, you, you said that, uh, the types of texts were one big, like, draw towards wit and wisdom were there other things that you know were different from what you were already doing that really would help you make that shift towards where you all wanted to go oh absolutely I think the next uh big thing is the writing piece Mm. when I took this position yeah that was one of the goals that was shared with me from you know my direct supervisors was man the, the writing curriculum what are we going to do? Um, so <laughs> part of this shift was moving from a balanced literacy um, and, and people familiar with that understand how writing the approach to writing in that. Um, and then again, students not being able to compose complete pieces. You know, I, I primarily taught 10th grade. I ended up teaching a concurrent enrollment 12th grade at the end of my time at, at the high school here in town. And same thing, you know, 10th graders are coming in and yeah. we're needing to back up to sentence level sorts of constructions um, and, and build from there with 10th graders. So imagine the excitement, you know, five years from now, 
you know, when upper elementary or in high school and, and high school teachers can kind of celebrate this. So, so we love yeah. the idea that it's going to extend higher. Um, but the integration of writing and the approach to writing, uh, fantastic and beautiful. And in our early implementation, you know, the instructional coaches and I are working at, we're kind of scaffolding it to this high level implementation guide. Reading and writing are the two places we're directing teachers first. You know, read through this, then jump into the materials through that lens, then let's come back together and talk about, you know, our approach. Um, and as you know, the training provided by Wit and Wisdom will help them kind of start to sew those pieces together a little bit more firmly. Absolutely. We saw the same yeah, thing I, with writing in Baltimore. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, our elementary students were not doing a ton of writing. And if they were, it was very disconnected from their, their reading curriculum. It was, it was two separate curricula, right, Lori? Like the yeah, writing it was, and the reading. It was. So. Yeah. And it was almost like um, the writing was uh, like almost like a uh, square peg round hole, you know, like jigs- jigsawed into the reading, but it was a little bit like forced. It didn't necessarily perfectly fit. And that's really hard to do when you're trying to meet standards where you're asking students to write about text and use textual evidence in every single thing that they do. And I, I, you know, what ended up happening is that it ended up straying away from that, at least, mm-hmm. you know, from my view, because it, it was not integrated, as you just mentioned, Tiffany. Um, like I always say integrated, not isolated. And when it's isolated, yeah. it's, just totally out there and separate. And when it's integrated so beautifully, it's kind of like Melissa, like we talked about um, with uh, UDL in a previous podcast. It's just, it's so seamlessly integrated that it, it's almost like you don't even notice that it's, it's so beautifully Mm -hmm. done and woven in there until almost like looking back on hindsight, you know? (laughs) Yeah, absolutely. So Tiffany, you guys are doing a pilot right now. Is that right? Yeah. Tell us about yes. that. <laughs> yeah. So, you know, it's, a pilot in COVID, we should say that. A pilot, pilot during COVID. <laughs> in COVID. Like a big, big cheer for Tiffany and Tim because they did not back down. I can't, like, good work for pushing forward and not waiting and giving your students what they deserve in a pandemic. Like, I am so proud of you. Yeah, you know, during that, our district, we chose, you know, to go face to face, of course, you know, in collaboration with the state department and to go face to face from the start and, you know, with CDC protocols in place. And, and that decision has helped us get to where we are. Right. And so yeah. while at first, you know, let's just say first semester, we couldn't necessarily be in classrooms, um, you know, as things progress and, and all of those things are kind of happening with the pandemic, it's like, here we are. And we're doing great things for kids and they are excited. Um, so we have actually 19 pilot groups um, because we were getting a lot of questions from teachers that we couldn't answer without putting it in place. Right. So yeah. we have every grade level covered K through six. Um, our district is divided into triads. And so each triad has at least one school represented. Um, every grade level is super excited. And some of them, you know, have, have been up and at it for a month now. Um, and there were a couple of reasons to this. One, we wanted student response, right? Mm-hmm. Two, we have district questions we needed answered. And, and three, to get the teachers comfortable. Yeah. Um, so yeah, so those pilot groups are up and running. I debriefed, they're facilitated by me. I have the sixth grade group. Um, I have three instructional coaches. They've each taken grade bands. Um, so they 
you know, kind of we started with the module lesson study, then the lesson planning, you know, using the protocols provided, and then they're off and running. And they get check-ins um, at least every two weeks, and then I check in with my people on the off two weeks of those. So, so there's lots of regular, regular and ongoing communication and different structures for that. Absolutely. That's you so know, good. The next step with that is, is how might we use these people to inform the whole district, right? How do we move from right. very manageable kind of small to, okay, now everybody needs to know this information. Um, yeah. So one way is, is, is I do kind of have my list of district questions. What's our report card going to look like? What's our grade book look like? Mm-hmm. You know, um, and then kind of the, the nuanced skills of teaching, right? How do the kids like the books? Um, how is the writing going? Who's engaged? Pacing, instructional minutes, right? So, so we're able to answer kind of a both and district and, and site level questions. And then we do have a plan to have those teachers get with grade band teachers through the, especially early on in the school year but continuing yeah. next year uh, to share their expertise in learning. That's great. So yeah. like a little, little feedback loop. Ongoing yeah. feedback loop. That's good. So I'm curious because you just mentioned that, you know, teachers were like, no, we don't want textbooks. We want books. Right. So then you realize like you choose Witten Wisdom. And then um, in our pre-call, you mentioned the teacher said before teaching, the kids won't be able to read the text. Yeah. <laughs> There's a little conflict there. So like, can you share how that's going? Because I think teachers, like, no kids need books. But then when you actually see a grade level book and you're looking at your class of students, it might be a little bit daunting. Absolutely, right? Um, that, that's the beauty of the science of teaching that, that wit and wisdom offers support on. And then I, in my mind, it just aligns so beautifully with that teacher autonomy and that teacher expertise and knowledge. And that... Yeah ways to get kids interested first of all right Mm -hmm. um as you guys know the ability to bring in the artwork the videos the you know short poetry pieces all these things as teachers that we know but we kind of go oh we're in a little short on time you know I'm going to skip through this stuff and we're just going to kind of jump to this and and realizing all of the tiny pieces that are attached to that piece that you skipped um yeah that's what's cool you know when I, I know one of the coaches was like, man, they put up that first piece of art and the kids' eyes were big and they're just on the edge of their seats. They're like, whoa, some of them have not even seen something like that before. Mm-hmm. Um, right. And and so just exposure and then boom, they're in, instantly interested. Um, and, and they're building that, that vocabulary. That, like yeah. and they're building that vocabulary and knowledge so that then they can access the harder texts, which I think is really important to keep in mind, especially in a pilot where you're, you know, your teachers are like looking at a more complicated text or a more challenging text. And it, that's not in isolation. Uh, it's, it's in, again, integrated with all these other texts that are beautifully surrounding it with knowledge and vocabulary, which we know students need to access it. And also they're practicing, you know, fluency along the way. So they're getting plenty of practice and exposure to, to the content and the texts. Um, so I'm so glad that you, you mentioned that. Yeah, and I love what you just said because it's a mix of things, right? And it's also, we're not just sitting down with this book that, you know, I don't even know how to manage it and maneuver through it. It's like, oh, all of these pieces come together and it's woven so beautifully and you just listed all those off and I just love hearing that. Yeah, 
So it's funny the in the beginning. Oh, sorry, Melissa, go ahead. <laughs> I was just like, so were the kids able to read the books? Yeah. Oh my gosh. That's just it, right? They're just like, oh, we have, and, and I get why these things happen, right? We've set our bar and yet we've been kind of maybe only achieving halfway to that bar. And now all of a sudden it's like, oh, you know, why? Did we not give them opportunities? Did we not give them the right opportunities? Um, yeah, they love it. You know, and and those cutoff points, right? It's like, oh, you know, and now we're going to transition to this. And kids are like, no, I want to know what happens next. You know, I'm into this. I'm excited. Um, so, yeah, yeah, the kids are in it. They're excited. They're wanting more the next day. And I think, too, like, I mean, I think Wit and Wisdom does a great job. This is that UDL conversation again of, like, scaffolding. You know, oftentimes we end up scaffolding to the point where the kids aren't actually doing the work, right? So, like, we're just making yeah. it super easy for them. Whereas in, in Wit and Wisdom, all those things you just brought up of, like, getting into the artwork first and watching the video and learning some of the background knowledge, learning some of the vocabulary actually gets them like prepped and ready to read that more difficult text. Yeah. That is scaffolding. Yeah. Scaffolding it up instead of down. Yes. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. That's a really good point. And, um, you know, there's, I mean, there's also so many other pieces, right. All the writing models and Mm -hmm. and the the content stages, they're all scaffolds that are embedded within that, aren't necessarily like an in-your-face, like separate box, like this is a scaffold. Like, like, unless you're really, really thinking about it um, in a different way, which I do believe takes so much like hindsight or even like hindsight practice, you know, like you have to go back and look at it. Cause I remember Melissa and I sitting there in first glance, like you're just trying to absorb the content, you know, and it's different than what you've seen before. And you don't necessarily think about it in that way. So it kind of takes a moment to take, to train your brain a little bit in hindsight to think, well, you know, that those content stages really are scaffolds. Like every time students notice and wonder and organize their thinking, they're, they're scaffolding their way to building knowledge in order to be able to write about something, which really is, you know, the, the end goal to write and speak about something, um, uh, uh, to have deep knowledge on a topic. It's very cool. Yeah, I love hearing that the content, I love that you brought up content stages. Um, you know, we've set our, some district goals around, of course, just instruction in general. And then we have a programmatic goal and the content stages, that's our programmatic goal. You know, you don't have to know everything out this year, but man, if you know these and understand the purpose behind the students need to go through each step of those, um, we're going to be really good by the end of the year as we move into year two. Exactly. I'm curious, do you have any stories to share about, uh, like any teachers have shared stories with you about piloting and um, students in texts and like, aha, for they're able to read it or any work that they thought that students maybe previous to implementing couldn't do, but now they see that they can do this with, with, you know, access or what opportunity, I think I'm trying to say. (laughs) Yeah, absolutely. You know, I mean, I love telling stories and I love hearing stories and I love reading stories. So this is my (laughs) question, right? With with 19 19 schools and, you know, upwards of 40 sections using this, um, just story after story, right? So a couple (laughs) jump out to me and one has to do with our students with disabilities. Mm -hmm. Uh, this was a parent concern, not just a single parent, you know, and, it, and it's also a, you know, in what ways are we meeting the needs of students with disabilities in our core classroom instruction? 
Mm -hmm. Um, And so a gal in a fifth grade pilot, she's like, hey, I have 24 students, pretty average class size, uh, 18 are on an IEP, just how, you know, the staffing worked and the class placement and all of that. Um, She's like, I don't know, you know, we're already fourth quarter and, and they're rolling out module one so that they can dip their toes in. So then they're ready to do it again in the fall. Mm -hmm. And she's like, they've really never seen text like this. They're writing words, maybe not even sentences. Right. Um, So that we do, you know, the coach does her two week check-in and she's like, oh my gosh, the structure of the program, the approach to reading and writing the supports that that are suggested, and then you know, again, teacher expertise. Um, she's like, they love it. They have written longer pieces, more sentences, more correctly than she's seen in these kids all year. And then in her career, she's like, it's unbelievable. I would have never guessed it. You know, I was scared to death to try it and to trust it. And then here we are with these kiddos. You know, what are we going to write today? And you know, can I? can I write this today? You know, and just <laughs> things that she just hasn't seen in excitement and of course student achievement and, and, and knowledge base just growing exponentially in these weeks that she's had the kids in, working in this. And can I just point out, like you just said, that was fifth grade, right? Yes. So, so this is, you know, they did not have the K through four <laughs> parts of wit and wisdom. You said fourth quarter, which is really hard to introduce something in fourth quarter. Yeah. And a majority of students with an IEP. And they still saw that. I mean, that and COVID, right? So we have all, these, <laughs> Absolutely, all right? these reasons why it could be like, this is just a disaster and not going to work. But it was still really positive and saw results. That's amazing. Yeah, absolutely. I, I love it. And and I, I have one more because everybody has different needs, right? And different focuses in their own classroom. And so because of COVID, uh, we were able to bring in iPads for every student in the district, K-12. Um, and, and, you know, some teachers, that's what they love. Like, yes, the technology, the kids have it, like, let's use it and let's make it meaningful. And so she had adapted the vocabulary pieces. You know, you have your five words. This was a third grade classroom. You have your five words. So she had used, you know, an app uh, to present the words to the kids. So they would do some whole group work and then the kids would individually and their iPads do some work. So she could quickly check in formatively and see what they understood and didn't understand about the words. And then of course the practice writing the sentences. And, and so she was really easily able to adapt, you know, kind of the traditional writing it, you know, with paper pencil to the iPads and really quickly uh, see where kids what kids knew and didn't know at the time and, and move forward. And then the kids love it too, right? Another sense of en- an engagement piece to kiddos. It's a little different for them, different in a good way, you know? And so they're both hooked into the tech pieces that make sense for learning as well as the content pieces um, so that they can, you know, move through the text that's upcoming. Yeah. Oh, I love that. I love that she also felt empowered to keep the content at the level that it, was written, right, for their grade level, but then used the technology to support that instead of bringing the content down to, like, fit into the technology box. Like, she really used the technology to support, like, driving students' access of the content. That's really cool. Yeah, yeah, I love it. I love it. And, you know, my my group that I'm working with, so I'm at six, um, so, you know, I'm just thinking about the, the, text questions, right, that are provided. And she instantly, 
instantly. This was the second day. So she did module zero. And then because of our schedule, she was only able to be in the second day of module one. And I'm like, you know, pluses and minuses, like, what are you seeing and, and not seeing? She goes, student questions, student questions, second day, right? So she's been with them for three quarters already. She said, they're asking questions. I've never heard them ask. Mm. Um, and she's like, I know more about what they know and don't know really more quickly than I have, you know, all year long, just from such a seemingly simple, you know, kind of small timed piece of, of the lesson. Um, she's like, I can't believe it. And, and she's like, kids are asking questions who've never asked questions before. So yeah, yeah just super, super great stories from, from everywhere. And these are schools, this school is a title school. Um, you know, it's, it's a small school as well up to, you know, one of the biggest elementary schools. And so just a wide range of student needs and students in each enrolled in each school. It's so funny. Cause I was just thinking of, uh, I was thinking of your, the students seem like they're in this place with this curriculum where the, it's like a safe place, right? They can ask those questions. They can, you know, try things they've never tried before. And I just, it, I think it's funny because I think that's also what you all are doing with the pilot in like, mm-hmm. you know, letting the teachers try something, learning from what you're trying. I think it's, I think it's just a really, it's a nice, um, it sounds like it's, you set up a really nice system system-wide of learning, right? We're all just here to learn and get better and and it's a safe place to do that. So sounds like you guys yeah. are doing a great job. Thank you. <laughs> I also love that you're focusing on the students and their growth yeah. and observations of students because I think that that's really what shifts practice and what creates buy-in for teachers and leaders. Like seeing students produce writing that they've not been able to produce before I mean, I don't know what could speak greater volumes than that. Having students participate in Socratic seminars and have deep, meaningful, engaging conversations about topics that they've like probably never heard of, read about, learned about ever before. And now they're speaking about them like little experts. That's incredible. And then they can go write about them. Um, and then just like really empowering teachers to use that technology like as you shared, like now that you you have it, to use it to support that. You know, I mean, I, I would, I think it's going to be so exciting when your teachers get really comfortable with all of this, how they're using like the iPad to have students, you know, prepare for their Socratic seminar or how they're having, um, use the iPad to have students like record their um, fluency stuff or record their voice, you know, in response to questions in order to help them write about something down the road. Like there's so many opportunities and I'm not like an expert in technology by any means, but there's a lot of opportunities that I think um, are presenting themselves now because of the pandemic and everything and the way that we've had to shift. It's just really exciting. And I can't wait to to hear more about, you know, what happens in your full implementation as folks are really, really comfortable with this. <laughs> yes, I'm excited too. I love it. Uh, so tell I was us, just going to ask about the, what, ha- what happens next? <laughs> yeah. I was like, tell What's us What's the more. plan? What's the plan for next year? <laughs> yeah, that is great. So, so we were able to have the wit and wisdom training, the lead and the module lesson study for our principals, um, you know, and of course, any other kind of administrative level. And then we asked that they bring a lead teacher from each of their schools. So some of the bigger schools brought more than one yeah. so that we could begin those collaborative conversations so that they could then have site-based um, discussions and, and make decisions at those levels appropriate to their staff and their student population. So then now, like, 
where's the rest of the teachers? So, so launch and module lesson study are coming up this summer. Um, I, I think I honestly believe that we are at about a 92%. Um, yes, we're going to attend, you know, and, and we're in the position, you know, to the professional development, you know, for going back to goals, that was one of the, the, one of my goals for people, how can we support them in all the ways they need to be supported? So the wit and wisdom training, um, and yeah. then coaches and I are holding either the focusing question protocol this summer for people who've already gone through the training or the, because <laughs> people are going to be at different spots, right? Mm-hmm. Some are going to be able to jump yeah. in pretty independently and, and move through that and some offer our support. So big training, district level training. Um, we do have a district PD day before school starts. So again, getting our feet in materials are already here. So they're able to kind of leaf through and jump in at different spots. Um, and, and then in our rollout, it's just, we have the great opportunity. There's a couple of district PD days throughout the year we're able to utilize as well as offer our district level support and then supporting our principals, um, as leaders in this, they're going to do an observation so that they have some key things to look for. Um, so yeah, this first year is a lot of, you know, we have three goals and we have the training to support that and let's just roll it out. Um, we're going to offer monthly grade level meetings. We have Microsoft teams as a communication spot to ask questions. Um, so just tons of support and collaboration and dialogue. And put it in practice and let's come back and talk about it and then, you know, make adjustments that we need to. So good. (laughs) I'm excited to hear about it, you know, down the road. You'll have to come back on. Um, Absolutely. But I'm also really excited because I do think that as a district leader, you're really modeling, you know, you know what the protocols are. That's a, that's huge. You know, when leaders mm-hmm. are go, you know, get their hands dirty, if you will, you know, you're, you're in the trenches with the teachers, with the leaders, you're learning these protocols and you know what it takes to execute them. Like, I remember the first time I sat down on my sofa and did the module study protocol. It took me like four hours yeah. because I, I mean, I did it for Melissa. What, eight, we did, we were eighth grade. So I did it for yeah. eighth grade. So I'm reading a I'm not reading like a quick kindergarten book, right? Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. So let's start, let's start there. But then I, you know, you're in the protocol, but then by the time I did that module study protocol for, you know, module four, it was like 90 minutes, maybe a little, you know, and it's, but it, the way that it, so you're internalizing right now, the structure and the content, right? At some point, the structure is going to be familiar to you in, in all of the protocols. And then the content will shift and change, but you know, in year two, the content stays the same. So everything becomes a little more familiar, but I really just like want to say for anyone from Laramie listening, like you're really lucky to have a leader who is in there with you. This is, this is great, like modeling of leadership practices. And I just want to commend you for that. And, you know, we, um, if I can link the protocols when we post this, I will, because I, we've talked about them a lot. We talked about them in a previous podcast, um, with, um, with Daisy, mm-hmm. right, Melissa with yep. Daisy from, uh, Kip SoCal, yep. um, you know, she's, she's all in the protocols and knowing the, how to prepare to teach as well as that professional development is, is really critical. Like when when you all go through launch and module and lesson study, the fact that your teachers are going to be familiar with the protocols is going to be so helpful. They're going to feel it's familiar and they're going to feel more comfortable with the content and then just be able to learn even more deeply about, you know, what's what's coming and, and what they'll be doing. So that's yeah. exciting. I also, I want to mention one thing um, before we um, get 
move on or if we're going to move on. But I know that one of the things that you shared for your implementation goals is that all kids will be included in tier one instructional time. And I would just really, really, really wanted to talk about that <laughs> a little bit. So would you mind sharing a little bit about that, that goal? Yeah, absolutely. And, and again, sometimes our, our systems and our structures lead us to make decisions that we may not even realize are happening, right? And one of the noticings that I had right away was, um, just in general, was when kids don't know. So we've done no teaching, right? Uh, we only kind of know, we just got our class, we're kind of like, okay, when's our intervention time? When are we going to pull these kids out? When are we going to, you know, have to have, you know, vocab time, whatever it is. And, and I'm kind of like, where's the instructional piece, you know? And, and again, I'm going to share a, a, a sad story first, because then there's a celebration story, right? And, and, you know, I'm had the opportunity to visit a school and, and it's their core in ELA time. And there's like five empty desks and I'm kind of going, okay, this is really interesting. You know, tell me about this. Um, and so the same things that we talked about a little bit, right? Well, they can't access the text and they can't, they can't, they can't. And it, and, and so now we can pause and take a breath and say, you know what, we're changing our structures. We're changing our system a little bit um, so that we can see what they can achieve. You know, and I already shared a couple of, of celebration stories of that. Um, others of that, you know, now we're having the conversations of how might extra support, because we know kiddos need extra support, absolutely. Not just students, you know, um, on the lower end, but also high achieving students, right? So how can that look different now? And those are the conversations we're suddenly starting to have. Um, the can statements and how can we provide this for students? And so the tier one instruction that everybody receives the same thing so that we're on a level playing field then we can start making decisions about really, really targeted um, places to jump in with kiddos to help them be successful in all the different ways that they need to be successful. Um, I'm really excited. The teachers are excited. Um, like, oh, this, it's a little bit, it's a shift and it's a good shift because we're focused on the, the cans and, and what could and might happen next. Uh, and that's exciting, you know, to, to see the kiddos faces and have them all together and, and, you know, make instructional decisions with everyone in mind. That's great. I, we talk a lot, Tiffany, about like shifting teachers' mindsets and how can that, that can be hard sometimes, right? And you're talking about a lot of, a lot of shifts here. Um, I'm just, you know, some teachers get, you know, they're really comfortable with the way they are teaching or they don't know why we would move from one thing to another. I'm just wondering if you are thinking about any of that, learning from your pilot group, is that is that on your mind as you oh, move? Absolutely. Absolutely. And, you know, I was working, you know, with the assistant director of instruction and, you know, he's very linear. He's like, we, we should create a document that says, you know, this is kind of what we were doing. This is what we're going to do now. And this is why we're going to do it. So people have that visual. Um, and there's a couple things with that shift. Everyone has worked so hard, you know, and again, because of the system we had in place, they had to do some things to make that system work. So a lot of people have put in time and energy into yeah. things in order to be successful. And, and can I just ask the things that you're talking about there? I'm since you said you were balanced literacy, I'm assuming yeah. le you're referencing leveled reading yeah, <laughs> yeah, right? or like, um, like homemade curriculum, homemade assessments, yes. 
Think, you know, things like that. Okay, I just want to make sure we're our listeners know what we're talking about here. <laughs> I'm, we're shifting, I'm glad. I love we're shifting that. big practices. <laughs> yes, right. Common formative assessments. Good stuff. Good stuff. Uh, you just don't need to do it anymore. So how can we still honor that work and honor your integrity? You know, your being the teacher's integrity and expertise, and 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 help them make this transition. That all of that isn't lost. They still need to understand what they're assessing, why they're assessing it, and how they're going to use it to, to help students, right? So, so the framework of all of that work is still there. Um, now the celebration in that, in my mind, is we can focus on other things now. Mm-hmm. You know, we can really focus in on, okay, you have all your kids in your classroom. You know, how might you meet their needs? You don't need to be spending your time pulling text anymore day after day after day. It's there. Uh, so now what might we focus on to still use you know, their brilliant minds and their expertise and their backgrounds to, you know, still have students be successful in their rooms. So yes, the shifts, that's big and that's cultural also, right? I mean, there's a lot attached to those shifts, Um, you know, so just, yeah, still knowing they still have their autonomy and their brilliance and yes, let's tap into it in in a new way now. Yeah. And there's still so much work to be done. I remember like, yeah, you hear sometimes it's like, oh, you just want me to read a script when you, <laughs> it is a lot more than reading a script. Yeah. You know, the first year I implemented a high quality curriculum, I mean, it was still so much work for me to do what, but what you're saying, right? It was me internalizing it. And then like, how do, how do I meet the needs of my students? And I didn't have to worry about everything else. <laughs> I just had to worry about those things, which is still a lot. And it's, but it's, I think it's the, the good work, right? Of like, how do I really make this work for my students? Mm-hmm. Yeah. I love that. That is the good work. (laughs) Good work. work. (laughs) Well, Tiffany, speaking of good work, you're doing lots of good work and we would love for you to leave our listeners with a really good piece of advice. um, As we, as we come to a close in our, I can't believe it's, it's coming to a close, but we would like to invite you to come back on at some point after you've implemented. Yeah. (laughs) I definitely will accept that offer. You guys are great. You know, I've listened to all your podcasts and they're, they're engaging and entertaining and I learn something every time and, and I love that. So yes, I will definitely take you up on, <laughs> you know, you I, I think the biggest piece of advice I would, I would leave with people is, um, is your plan. So for us, it was kind of study, come up with the plan. And then I want to add the word listen in there and then act on it. Um, and there's different ways to listen at different times. That, that to me, the feedback I got from parents, community, school board, teachers was, we felt like when you asked us something, it's because you really wanted to know what we had to say. And then something came back around. Um, a decision was made and with the rationale that all of these voices were heard. So to me, it would be set up structures where you're able to listen um, and then act on that in, in a way. And and as you know, everybody has a has a varying opinion. So it might not be you know, what everybody wanted, but everybody had a chance to inform and then a decision was made using their voices in that way. So that would be my biggest piece of advice. You know, uh, don't be afraid to get out there and, and listen and then act on it in the, in an appropriate way. That's right for your district and your community and your schools and your kiddos. Absolutely. I do a lot of work with continuous improvement and you just <laughs> talked all about it. So. <laughs> <laughs> right. <laughs> exactly. Love it. That's yeah. so good. Well, thank you so much. We know, I feel like this is a 
we, Melissa and I are always talking about Baltimore and we're a really massive district. And so this is nice. Like, it's so nice to talk with others so that we can provide different lenses for listeners. Like, you know, here, if you're also in a large district, you know, Melissa and I share a lot about Baltimore. That's a really good mirror, but it's really also important if you're in leadership to think about what this looks like on a smaller scale, because it might be representative of like what happens in your school building, you know, on a smaller scale. So that might be a window into that world. So thank you for, um, for, for being either a mirror or a window to those who are listening. And we appreciate your, (laughs) your voice and your, all your expertise today. Yeah. Well, thank you guys. This has been great. Yeah. Thank you. Well, we will, we will set a time up to, to meet again next year, maybe this time. (laughs) Sure. I love it. I'll be here. Yeah. Good luck with the invitation. Thank you. Go team. Thanks, Tiffany. Bye. Bye. Bye.